2: This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey, guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today we are back. It is me and Zach Hubbard here, and we are back to break down a commitment tonight for Carolina football. They do land one of their linebacker targets in the 2023 class. That's an area where Carolina has sent out a bunch of offers, and they finally got one in the bank there. We'll also talk a little bit about Joel Starlings a guy that Carolina landed uh, now about a week and a half ago. Uh, Zach, unfortunately, uh, wasn't able to join us uh, to talk about him, so we're going to uh, allow Zach to uh, sort of give his take on what he saw from Starlings and what he thinks he can bring to the table. And then we'll also give you sort of an update on, you know, where Carolina stands in this 2023 class as they head into the month of June and, and, and where we kind of feel confidence-wise with this class, you know, as opposed to, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, the last couple of years Carolina has been in a really, really good spot at this point. This time around, wouldn't really say Carolina is in a bad spot, but we're going to tell you how you should feel about where Carolina is currently sitting at right now. Well first, uh, Zach, yeah, you know we got to start with the commitment of uh, a guy that Carolina has been pursuing for a while. This is one of their long-standing offers, a guy that's been on campus more than a few times, um, and you know he ends up making his commitment after his official visit yesterday, and that is. Three-star linebacker Caleb LaValle, He ends up committing to Carolina over Florida State and Wake Forest, a couple other spots uh, where he had taken, you know, more than a couple of visits to eight um, teams that were pursuing him. Uh, for a while now, but Carolina gets uh, an extremely key piece as they look to continue to build that defensive side of the football. Now a second straight defensive commitment in the class. Uh, you know, when, when you've heard about the commitment of, of LaValle, just, uh, you know, some of your initial thoughts about uh, Carolina landing.
0: Well, yeah, like you said, uh, LaValle, one of the main sort of um, – you can call it linebacker. You can call it off-ball linebacker, inside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. In this new look defense under uh, new defensive coordinator Gene Chizik, it's going to be what you would consider one of the traditional inside linebacker guys. They're going to play on the second level. They're going to, you know, cover passes, uh, you know, in the short area of the field, and they're going to chase down runners. Uh, but. Uh, LaValle has been one of the main targets for the Tar Heels in the 2023 recruiting cycle. Uh, at the position in particular, it has been a position of interest uh, or of importance, as we've mentioned. When you look at the depth chart, uh, they've got about really just six scholarship guys that look to be classified specifically as, as pure linebackers, as pure off-ball linebackers and retro sophomore Ethan West has had injury concerns. So it's hard to really say what his career is going to be at this point. I say all that to say linebacker is a position of need and want here within the 2023 class. And this has been one of the main guys um, out of Whitefield Academy in Mableton, Georgia, listed at 6'1", 215. He's got somewhat of that modern build that you look for a linebacker he's not overly heavy he's not um lengthy to the point that it's hard for him to move around he's got a good build that i think can add weight i think he's pretty prototypical in that sense that you could probably get him up to the 230 235 range and he'll play about there uh when you turn on the film it is important to note that uh whitefield academy is in a um Lesser is not the right word, but in a smaller classification of Georgia high school football, he's not playing a lot of these these big schools that you see. So that is a factor here. But when you just look at him specifically uh, as a linebacker, he is a missile to some degree. He is a sea ball, get ball, or hit ball rather type of guy. Uh, you don't see a lot of film of him uh, moving sideline to sideline in a. Um, pass defense sort of sense but if there is a a running back or a quarterback with a ball in their hands trying to run up the field he's going to eliminate them quickly very good at getting through traffic getting into the backfield and i think one of the keys that you're looking for is you know what is that uh what does that motor look like what is that attitude and mentality that just pours out onto the football field and he is a high-attitude, high-motor type of guy. Those are guys that you're always looking for. He's a pure football player, plain and simple. He's going to go up there, uh, and defensively, he's going to cause problems for the offense. So I, I think it's a very good pickup from the linebacker position. I, I see on his film uh, degrees of some of the passing side linebackers that we've seen more recently under uh, linebackers coach Tommy Big Ten. He's got a little bit of that um, – You know, he's got a little bit of that Jeremiah Ginnell. He's got a little bit of that Shaz Rat in there with different things that he do. They do have some reps of him rushing the passer from um, an interior pass rush um, position. So I I think that he is
2: something that Tar fans will be familiar with. And I think he's another good pickup to sort of add to this um, inside linebacker room. Yeah, and I I think, you know, missile was an interesting way to describe him. And now that you say that, I think that's a really strong way to describe how he plays on film. Um, He flies all over the place. As you mentioned, you know, he sort of fits that modern day linebacker, a guy that's a little bit thinner, but that has really good speed. Um, you don't see it often on film. And it's something that I think is, I wouldn't mark as a negative. I would mark as something that you kind of need to see more of. Um, you don't see him dropping the coverage that often, but at that weight with the athleticism that he has, you would imagine that that is something that could be present in his game. Um, And that's something that, look, if he stays at inside linebacker, which I think the interesting part is it's 6'1", 215, he's a guy that could maybe move around to one of these other linebacker spots, primarily that Jack linebacker spot that we've heard so much about, which is going to kind of be the role that a guy like Noah Taylor, the transfer who's coming in who we we've heard can kind of do all three things he can pass rush he can uh you know he can play that more typical linebacker run stopper role or he can drop into coverage so he could fit into that mold or he could be a guy that could put on the weight and become that guy that plays in the middle of the defense as you mentioned two biggest concerns for me or the concerns that you have as well the level of competition you know and again look it it I hate bringing this up with a lot of these kids because look you're in the situation where your family lives where they choose to have you go to school. It's not a decision that these guys can make, so you just have to make the best of it. And look, his statistics back it up. This is a guy that the last two years, he has 116 and 135 total tackles. He's been named All-State two consecutive years. All-Region was the region's most outstanding player um, that he plays in this year and was a guy that played on both sides of the ball, too. So he is a guy that, when you talk about motors... He, he, he played about as many snaps as anybody that Carolina is recruiting in this class this past year because he also led his team in rushing. So you know that there is not a question of the love of, the, love of football how much he wants to play. And I think the thing is, is that, look, as you mentioned, Tommy Thigpen is still here. I think a lot of people look at Gene Chizik and think that just because they're sort of going to more of a four-man defensive front and they're switching a couple things up at the linebacker spot, that this means that Carolina is pretty much completely changing their defense. And that's not at all what this is. Tommy Thigpen is still the guy that is ultimately making the decisions of what he wants in linebackers. And this feels like the type of guy that can fit this mold. I see him as a guy that's kind of a little bit in between the guys from two years ago. You got Power Eccles, who... Look, Power Eccles. Play downhill just like Laval does. A little bit of of a different style. Laval really just beats guys with his speed. Where Power Epples was an extremely physical guy. He had good speed for a guy his size, but extremely physical. That's what separated him. But then you've got a guy in Rod Rod Dilworth who was much thinner, but could cover a lot of space quickly. Laval can do that as well. The thing about him is, is at the size that he's at and with the level of competition that he comes from, he's probably going to be more of a developmental guy. I think it's very clear from watching his film. This is a guy that can come in and immediately contribute to you special teams wise. But. I like this pickup from Carolina. I think there is definitely something here. And again, this isn't the first time that they've gone into the state of Georgia and picked up a guy like this that had some athleticism, had some areas where he probably had to be fine-tuned a little bit and could eventually become one of the, you know, guys that is a key part of the rotation for Carolina linebacker. That's Jeremiah Gimmel in a nutshell. So we'll we'll see. I, I like that comparison when you talk about him, I think if you're looking for a guy that he sort of compares to play style wise, it's probably, I think Surratt's probably a a pretty good guy to sort of compare him to because he remember Surratt was pretty thin like him as well. He's able to get, you know, after the quarterback a little bit, he's had six sacks in each of the last two years. So there's a lot of potential there um, with him and, you know, the thing is, is you kind of wonder, you know, I, here, here's my question. I, I don't think that this team is done at linebacker um, and I don't see anybody suggesting that they are, but there are some really uh, you know, big targets, mainly from the state of Virginia that Carolina is still looking at. Of course, you got a guy that's, you know, by way of Virginia, but now currently at IMG Academy and Jordan Hall, a four-star linebacker, you've also got, uh, you know, a couple other guys that, you know, come from the state of Virginia directly in um, and, and Kivion Keys, who was on campus uh, this past weekend. And then you've got a guy that is going to visit at the end of the month. He's a little bit of a lower rated prospect. Um, still a guy that honestly seems to kind of be a little bit unknown uh, in Amari Campbell. So do you think that Carolina will take one more in this class, I think that's going to be the key thing here is, is that this commitment, I think, takes one of the spots. And I would be kind of shocked if Carolina takes more than two linebackers in this class. I I do think that they need that second guy. But what, what do you think about, you know, the, in terms of the amount of linebackers that Carolina may take here? I think that they – Absolutely take two linebackers in the class. I think just based on where the numbers are now – that would make sense. And also just based on the number of prospects that they have, um, you
0: know, on the board right now, you mentioned a guy out of IMG, like Jordan Hall, obviously guys that were on campus this weekend and gave you on keys and Jeremiah Turlander, mm-hmm. Mark Campbell as well out of Virginia. And then another one that uh, visit visited, I believe uh, the weekend of May 21st in Lewis Carter out of Florida. So there's a ton of names right. on the board there. Um, I absolutely think that they take at least one more. I think that they might take three. I'm a little hesitant to say that. It would have to be a sort of a, a best available situation if one of those four star guys, particularly one of those four star guys out of Florida, if they are, you know, they're waiting to commit and say, I want to come to North Carolina. I don't imagine that the staff would say no. But as of right now, I, I am going to stick with two. And I do feel strongly that they are going to take at least one more linebacker.
2: Yeah, and and the other interesting element, I guess, is also kind of how they view the guys that are currently listed as linebackers. Do they view any of those guys as jacks? Or is Laval a guy that they view as one of those jack linebackers? Because that's an area where Carolina is going to need depth. Um, don't know about the status after this year of Chris Collins, if he will take his extra year, but as of right now, he's listed as a senior. Um, you've got, you know, Noah Taylor, who's a grad student. So of course he'll be gone after the year is over regardless. So there, there, that's another spot where Carolina, and and there's a couple other guys that are there right now, but y- you don't really know exactly what the outlook of that position is going to be. So with that uncertainty, I think Carolina's got to kind of prepare for any of those scenarios. So, yeah, when you start to think about it, I, I actually think there's a legitimate chance that it could be three guys, depending on how they view certain guys in this class, or do they view that position as more of a pass rush heavy position? Are they looking at that as an area where they would rather put an, an a more athletic edge? I think we're going to have to sort of – Watch that position throughout the year and see what the definition of that position is. Because yeah, they were able to experiment a little bit with it in spring practice, but remember there were limitations on this team in the spring as well due to injuries. So I don't know if that position is really that well known just yet. So I, I feel like it's it might be a little bit of a wait and see, a spot where it's not a wait and see is at the defensive tackle spot. Carolina's defensive line spots seem to be a little more defined this year than they have been in the past. Guys seem to know what their roles are going to be. Um, and you know, Carolina gets a guy that probably is going to fit into that landscape over the next couple of years. Again, another guy. This one I think is a guy that has more physical tools and more of a capability to come out and be a, a guy that can sort of affect uh, you know, having an on the field effect right out of the gate in Joel Starlings who committed about a week and a half ago. But the question is, is, you know, what does that position look like and where does Joel Starlings fit? You know, I, I think from watching his film, Zach, it seems pretty clear to me where he fits in this defense but you know what do you think about what he could be in this defense for Carolina and do you think he's a guy that could potentially make an early impact if there is a spot available for him Yeah just to give you a few stats on Charles is down out is listed at 65 10 um, out of Benedictine High School in Richmond,
0: Virginia, and in terms of his positional fit, I do think that he offers some versatility. I think he could play either one of what we'd call the defensive tackle positions. Um, you, in a traditional four-three defense, you'd consider them maybe the three technique and then the nose guard. I think that he could potentially play either spot, uh, just based on his size being six-five. That probably would lean. More towards um, him playing that three technique spot, as opposed to a traditional nose guard. Generally, you want those guys to be a little bit shorter, a little bit more compact. Uh, but he is a guy that I think his best strength right now is his um, is his run stopping ability. He, he's a big body in the middle, and he knows how to take up space, to fill gaps, to you know engage blockers. I think that just one of his biggest attributes as well, that you can see there is some rawness there. He does need to continue to work on his technique, to work on his pass rush moves, things along those lines. But you can see this is a high level athlete. This is a guy that is, you know, in the same vein as some of those four star prospects that we've seen North Carolina take over the past few cycles. So I think he's going to fit in really well. Could he be an early impact guy? When you have a guy of his caliber, I think that you have to say yes to some degree that just based on that, alone based on the athletic traits he could be a factor in there to what degree it's hard to say especially as I mentioned because I do think there is some work to be done in terms of his interior pass rush but I think that he fits in very well with the defensive line prospects that they've gotten over the past few years he's a great pickup and he's a great addition specifically um, to either one of those defensive line or defensive tackle specifically slots on this
2: defensive line Yeah, see, I I agree with you. I think he fits more of that three technique type of guy. Um, And, you know, look, I I think as a run defender, I I thought he was solid. I'm not as sold as you are in that area. I actually thought he was a really good, um, a really good pass rusher for a guy Uh, playing inside at times. I thought also the thing that was interesting, he moved around a lot. There were stunts that were thrown his way as well. Um, And he faced a lot of double teams. He played in a three-man front. So he was typically a guy that would see, you know, a tackle and a guard on him or a guard and a center on him. And one of the things that I like the most about him is he can shed tackles, and Carolina needs these guys no matter what level of the defense it is, and that's one of the things I liked about Laval as well. My question with him is just the level of competition. Was it just that his speed was good enough to beat guys? I don't question that with Starlin's. First of all, Benedictine's a, a school that's produced some really good players, including Chris Collins, who's currently on the Tar Heeler roster, but he's a guy that has the size immediately, to play, if Carolina wanted to play him this year, they could at that three technique. That was one of the biggest issues. And when you look at him, and you might say, "Well, look at a guy like Keyshawn Silver, who was a five-star guy. He didn't even play this past year." Well, I get that. Part of it is that Keyshawn Silver honestly, probably didn't have a specific spot that he fit on the defense last year. As crazy as that seems being one of, if not the top player in his recruiting class, Carolina just, I I don't know if that defense really fit him that well. Now he's up to weight and he's going to play that three technique. A guy like Starlings, he has that weight right now. So the interesting thing here is, is that Yeah, you can leave him at 6'5", 3'10". You can play him at that 3 technique, and he'd probably be all right. But he's also a guy that if you wanted to put weight on him and if you wanted to try to turn him into that nose tackle, you probably could do that as well. So, Carolina's got their options here, and I, I think you're right. He could be a contributor. It's just, first of all, what is the depth chart? Look like for Carolina is 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 you know do guys emerge on that defensive line? Are there guys that you simply can't take out of roles, or does it kind of remain where it is right now, which is wide open? We're hoping not. We're hoping guys sort of emerge up there. And I mean, look, this year you've got Miles Murphy and you've got Ray Velasquez. The interesting part, though, is that both of those guys who are going to start for Carolina, there's a chance both of them could be gone. Velasquez guaranteed. Miles Murphy's getting a lot of hype from NFL guys, really just college football people in general, too, really like him and think he could have a big year. So if he goes off, he might not be back. So you never really know. I think you could see him in a rotational role already. And this is the type of guy that you really like Carolina recruiting, guys that are ready to come in and make an impact, that have the body style, as opposed to you know some of the guys that we saw over, I'm not going to say just over the last couple of years. I think there have been some guys that have been ready to go. I just don't know if the defensive scheme sort of fit what they were wanting to do, but especially under Larry Fedora, that was a system that just took guys so much time to develop. I think Starlings is a guy that, you know, sort of fits in as as a guy that can play uh, immediately out of the gate. So, You know the other thing that I wanted to ask you—you know—we we we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago, Zach. We said that 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 Georgia was maybe the most important state for Carolina. Look, they get the commitment out of the state of Georgia uh, in, in La Valley, but when you look at what Carolina is doing. In some of these other states, Virginia has sort of popped up out of nowhere here. Guys um, that weren't really on the radar for Carolina are all of a sudden starting to pop up and are starting to sort of climb some of these rankings. And even in the state of North Carolina, a lot of guys starting to climb some rankings as well. So we asked, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we thought that Georgia was the most important state to Carolina's success in this recruiting class do you still stick with that notion? Or are you sh- maybe starting to change your tune a little bit about, uh, about what is the most important state for Carolina on the 2023 trail? I think as of this time,
0: um, I would still say so, especially with the commitment of Caleb Valley, I think that uh, probably still at this point, and what I mentioned before, it's just from a positional needs standpoint, there are a greater
1: number of guys that are needs at their position um, in the state of Georgia than there are at North Carolina. When you look at some of the main guys, uh, really what's leading the way for North
0: Carolina is they do have a good number of wide receivers that North Carolina is involved with. Um, Christian Hamilton, Chris Culliver, uh, Kevin Concepcion, as we've mentioned, uh, Nathan Leacock is another offer. And then Noah Rogers, of course, is the big guy in state. Um, they do have some, some edge prospects as well that they feel good about guys like Rico Walker, Javon Harvey, and then, you know, more of a pure defensive lineman and David Hoff. So they have some options there, certainly. Um, but Georgia, you know, you see more of the offensive line prospects, guys like uh, Paul Mubenga. But official visited this weekend, guys like Robert Grigsby, um, and then um, some defensive back uh, guys such as Caleb Cost um, as well. So just from a positional need standpoint, I do think that I would still give Georgia the slightest of edges. I will wait and see. This could easily change. It's going to depend on if guys at certain positions pop up. It's, it's also mainly going to depend on who Carolina gets out of both of those states. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very tempted to switch over to North Carolina at this time as they start to have guys, like you mentioned, rise up uh, the recruiting rankings and, and seeing how North Carolina fits in those recruitments. I think it could shift as of today, as of June, um six i'm going to stick with georgia but it's one to continue to watch it's a question that we'll likely come back to and discuss again and it's an answer that could very easily change back to you know sort of the old faithful of north carolina's recruiting uh footprint the old home state
2: yeah i i gotta admit um i have flipped on this one i uh i am going with North Carolina just because, I mean, as you mentioned, the wide receiver group, you know, I think one of the things a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this was we were kind of uncertain about where they stood with some of these wide receiver prospects because these, these guys have been relatively quiet in their recruitments. Concepcion has been, you know, a little bit out there, but once he got the Carolina offer, it seemed like things sort of started to settle down a little bit. But now as we've gotten to official visits, um, just within the last week, you've had every one of these guys set their official visit dates. So Hamilton and uh, Concepcion will visit on the final weekend, uh, along with a guy from the state of Virginia and Paul Billups, who we knew about for a while. Um, And then you're also going to have Culliver, he's going to come in a week earlier on the 17th through the 19th. So uh, I think that is a position that most Toriel fans would probably think with how they've recruited over the last few years, how could that be a position of need? But when you, heard, when you hear background talk in spring camp about how this team is so limited there, how they don't have the depth that they need there, and then you look and you say, well, that probably means that guys had to be out for the spring, right? Not really. You had a guy that was banged up at the start of spring in Justin Olsen. But other than that, this group was pretty much fully healthy. Now, they didn't have Andre Green Jr. in camp early, uh, and they didn't have Tychon Chapman, but he's a guy in the slot. You're looking at those guys primarily on the outside. Look, Concepcion is a guy that uh, probably – looks and 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 will trend more towards being a slot receiver for Carolina if they do land him being 5'11 173 i would be shocked if he actually becomes a guy that you know plays on the outside but he's that that's still you know a guy that Carolina values and and, and will still pursue but mainly those two guys on the outside Hamilton and Culver also Leacock who sort of fits that that, that mold at 6'3", 200, Carolina is going to value these guys and they need guys at that wide receiver position. I know the interior offensive line spot is an area where they've got to add guys as well with Montillus and William Barnes both possibly moving on at the end of the season, not to mention the fact that you've got uh, all three guys that can play center for you this year looking to move on. Um, after the year, or looking like they will move on after the year, I think uh, Brian Anderson did come back for his graduate season. So yeah, all three guys will be moving on at the end of the year. That's that's an area where you probably give the edge to the state of Georgia at this point. Um, but I, I think that you know Carolina still. You know, they've got some guys out there. You mentioned linebacker. That's still an area where Carolina's looking. And honestly, it's one of those areas where I think they've got the most targets and they've got the most work to do to try to figure out how they sort of prioritize these guys. Um, Because, you know, Grant Tucker is a guy that we haven't talked a ton about, but he's still one that Carolina, you know, feels like they're probably in play for. And then, you know, not to mention that the, the fact that, you know, this staff still is going to value you know some of these in-state guys when they look at some of these other positions. So uh, I definitely think that you know, Carol, Carolina, it, it's it's confusing between the three as a appo- as to how you order them. I think at this point, especially with the recent offers and the recent interest that you've really had from the guys in the state of Virginia, that has put that that group a lot closer than we probably thought a, a few weeks ago. But I think, you know, Georgia is probably a close second to the state of North Carolina right now. And then I think Virginia is probably right behind. them. after that, it, it gets a little bit cloudier. I think Florida is probably the clear number four right now. Um, but I think that it is interesting to monitor back and forth how these go. And I think that the state of Georgia last year, and even the year before, you know, Matt Brown said that was part of the recruiting footprint. We're going to recruit all the way down to Atlanta, and that's pretty much where the bulk of these guys are coming from in the state of Georgia. But I think that as we've gotten, you know, we've gotten into this twenty twenty three class, and especially with the influence of Charlton Warren, and, and probably to a certain extent, Gene Chiswick, but. An area where Charlton Warren has recruited for years. I think that has sort of allowed Carolina uh, to expand that footprint further into the state of Georgia and maybe strengthen that pipeline just a little bit. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back right after this message from DraftKings, and we'll talk about the state of the 2023 class and moving forward in the month of June. All right, hang on with us right here on the Heel Top Podcast. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? With a DraftKings same-game parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same-game parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total three-pointers made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payday. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey guys, welcome back into the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata, Zach Hubbard with you guys here. So now Carolina, four commitments in the class, now two on both sides of the ball. Uh, Carolina now has three commitments since the start of May, and they do have one now in the month of June. And this was the time period that Matt Brown said when he talked uh, a few, you know, now probably more than a few weeks ago, um, that Carol, that this was the time period Carolina had to do damage in. And it makes sense. Carolina's hosting a bunch of official business. We've already talked to you about the fact that, you know, you, you had that big weekend to open. The official visits uh, back uh, on the weekend of May 20th through the 22nd. This weekend, there were a lot of guys that kind of added their names last minute. um, And it became a bigger weekend than I think a lot of people realized early on. But ultimately, that June 24th weekend is where you're going to find a lot of the guys that you would think Carolina will have a chance to get to pop on the spot or right after the official visits. And it could bring in, uh, you know, more than a few commitments here. But I think the question that most people want to know right now is where is the confidence level in this recruiting class? Because there's no beating around the bush. This is not a recruiting class that is as strong as the ones that we have seen in the last couple of years, at least at this point in the. The recruiting cycle. Carolina's class, according to 24/7 Sports composite team rankings, is ranked 46. Now, again, there are some teams that are much more successful than Carolina overall on the field uh, and even in recruiting that are off to slower starts than Carolina is. But uh, it's still something that I feel like Toriel fans are maybe a little bit concerned about at this point. So, Zach, as, as we sit here. Now with four commitments, three in the last little over a month, how, you know, where's your confidence level with this recruiting class? Do you think that this is a class that Carolina can kind of get back into that range? Now we were talking about, uh, just a a few weeks ago, when we mentioned a top 20 class.
0: Yeah. I, I think, um, since the time that we've spoken, um, I do feel better about where the recruiting class is going. And I do feel you know more confident about them getting into that top 20 range. I still feel like it'll probably be, you know, the 19 or the 20 range, but um, so far they're, they're two big uh, spring and summer official visits um, windows have have gone swimmingly so far. They've gotten good returns uh, for multiple prospects on both weekends, they've got a commitment thus far on both weekends, and I expect that to continue. Though will likely be more in the month of June for this weekend, as well as some from the weekend's forthcoming. So I think, as you mentioned, uh, May and June are going to be the biggest months uh, in the 2023 cycle for Tar Heel recruiting, probably December as well as you get around the early signing period. But May and June, those are going to be your big months for this class. It's June now, so June is likely going to be where we see the bulk of this movement. Obviously, some in early July when some of these guys actually decide to make their decisions. But, you know, more and more for schools in general. The summer is becoming the recruiting time. It's, it's time where guys want to take these official visits, get on campus, and sort of get their decision out of the way so that they can focus on their senior season with their high school moving forward. Um, and it is a, a factor that we've seen for Matt Brown both at North Carolina and in previous stops um, that he likes to get his guys early in the process if he can do so. Obviously, he's not going to take just whoever, but. Um, his recruiting strategy in his career has been if there's guys that we want and that are ready to commit you know there's no reason to wait so I do think that the Tar Heels will see continued progress within the 2023 cycle uh, within the the months of June and then you know a little bit into July and um, I am a lot more confident about this class than I was say a month ago
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I go back to the conversation that I had with Tom Luganville where he said, look, you know, this is something that we will revisit in July. When I asked him about the concerns uh, that he had back just after the spring game. Um, And he said, look, this is a different recruiting class for a lot of reasons. First of all, the 2023 class is the first time in a few years where you are going to have a normal recruiting cycle. So guys are going to want to take visits to campus because, you know, they weren't able to take them when they were sophomores and juniors in high school, and they want to let the process play out. The other thing is, is the unpredictability of NIL. And we still really have no idea what's going on, but if you want to know what NIL is doing to college football, and you want to know what it is doing to recruiting in general, Just look at what Clemson's doing. Clemson's a team that over the last couple of years, we've talked about it with a lot of guys that Carolina has pursued. Clemson's a team that doesn't host official visits. And I thought that was going to carry over into this year. excuse me, They don't host official visits until they get in season. All of their official visits are usually during the fall. And look, before NIL was smart, you were wanting them to come experience a game day environment during that time. And really experience a team that hasn't lost at home in a very, very long time. I forget how long the streak is actually up to at this point. But that was one of the selling points for Clemson. Now, they've really got no choice. With the NIL money that's out there, guys that are getting guarantees, they they really can't afford to wait around and just hope that, look, we've got NIL deals in place, but hopefully these guys hold off And will give us a chance to show them that not only are they going to get the money, but if it's not the same as some of these other universities, then they're going to get the game day environment. They're not wasting any time. They're getting these guys on campus now. So that is definitely a factor uh, in these recruitments. And it's something that, look, as Carolina fans, as Carolina football fans primarily, it's probably a little concerning. But it's an element of the game that you have to deal with at this point. And look, I I think that, yeah, the months of May and June are huge for Carolina. I think they will get a couple of commitments here before the end of the month. But I think in the month of July, you'll start to see a lot of those guys pop. Even though, who knows, it could be right during that final week of June where you see the majority of those guys pop. But I feel like... There is going to be a pretty solid amount of the guys that visit on the 24th through 26th that uh, they, they will probably end up committing to Carolina because going into those visits, Carolina is either the the strong that strong leader uh, they're they're firmly in the driver's seat or. They're still seen as a leader right now. And you feel like a really good official visit to get them over the top because I mean, look, going into the weekend, I think there was some thought that Laval might or uh, LaValle might be a guy that Carolina was in the lead for. But I think there was a lot of people that thought that recruitment was more cloudy than anything. And Carolina was able to come out of the weekend with his commitment. So that is pretty huge. No, last thing, you know, before we wrap it up here, Zach, Who are some of the names that you're sort of keeping an eye on right now? Maybe some guys that we've seen some buzz around or that you just have a good overall feeling about that could be the next guys to sort of pop for Carolina in this 23 class.
0: Yeah, I think you have to look um, a lot, really, at the past few weekends and then some of the guys that are coming up Um, in upcoming weeks. uh, If you look at the... uh, uh, making the May 21st recruiting weekend, obviously, North Carolina got quite a bit of uh, momentum with four-star edge prospect uh, Joshua Mickens out of the state of Indiana. So I think that he's a guy that could pop sooner than later. Uh, from this past week, we saw um, official visits from offensive line guys like Luke Burgess, Paul uh, Maybe, you know, we'll see them take more official visits here within. Uh, the month of June, but I think those are guys that have a good position uh, in the Tar Heels sort of recruiting um, recruiting pitch and recruiting board. Um, KD on keys is another linebacker. He could be the guy that fills that second overall spot. Um, he'll have other official visits here in the month of June, but uh, if there is, you know, a few names that I'm looking at as, who are most likely to be the next guy? I'd have to look at the defensive backs, uh, specifically two that officially visited this past weekend in quarterbacks, Cameron Fleming and Caleb Kost. Uh, Caleb Cost, a guy that is a uh, dual sport athlete, plays uh, football and baseball, which is a factor in his recruitment and. Um, you know there were baseball games on campus this weekend i know that that was something that was very appealing to him to see not only the football side but the baseball side as well if there was a name that i'm looking at as who's the most likely to be the next guy i'd probably look at Caleb Cross. but i think you know like i mentioned there's a number of guys that are um in the race here uh another four star edge jbron harvey uh, before i forget him should mention him as another guy that uh OB'd this weekend and You know, could be a name down the line. So I think they have numerous names. And I think that, like I mentioned, this is a recruiting class that throughout the month of June and into July, uh, it's a a class that they're going to fill out, um, you know, pretty
2: quickly within the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm looking at that group of guys that has been on campus here recently. Um, Harvey, I think, is is really interesting. I, I think that Mickens is the guy that's talked about the most. And look, that's a pretty safe bet, considering that Mickens is a guy that doesn't have any other official visits scheduled at this time. So barring anything shocking, it looks like he will eventually be a Tar It's just when he ends up actually committing. But Harvey's a guy that's Right down the road from Carolina. And I, it, it feels like they made a pretty strong impression on him this weekend. Caleb Cost is a great call because, yes, as you mentioned, he's a dual sport guy. So for him to be on campus and experience, you know, a, a team hosting a regional – that was probably pretty special for him. Um, so he is definitely a guy that's worth keeping an eye on, especially, you know, Carolina needs guys in that defensive backfield. Uh, you know, they're going back to Gene Chiswick's defense, which I think, look, it, it, J, Jay Bateman's defense valued the nickel corner, but not as much as. Gene Chizik's defense did. Because remember who his last nickel corner was um, in 2016? Actually, his nickel corner both years that he was here in 15 and 16, it was MJ Stewart. And that was a guy that was arguably Carolina's best defensive back in those secondaries. So clearly he values guys. that, That means that Carolina year in and year out, they're going to want to make sure that they can probably recruit all three quarterback positions as well as some depth there. So I think that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. You know, the offensive line guys are very interesting. Burgess is down to three. And I wonder, you know, with him, he he goes to the same high school as Mickens. How close of a relationship is there with those two guys? And could those be two guys that could potentially pop together at the same time? Mabinga's an interesting one because it felt like, you know, from everything I saw for a while there, Carolina thought they were out of this recruitment. And I don't know what changed. Um, I, I don't know if it was just... McNell sort of turned up the heat a little bit on him. But now Carolina seems like they have a legitimate chance in that recruitment as well. Um, And then, you know, one guy that visited this weekend that I think he's he's popped up late here. Um, Carolina, you know, just recently offered him or or maybe I'm trying to remember. Maybe he's not a recent offer, but he was a guy that just narrowed down his list and kind of flew under the radar for a while at the least was Cameron Fleming, and that's a guy who just visited this past weekend. It doesn't seem like he, you know, from, from looking, I, I don't think he has any other official visits scheduled at this time. So, I think Carolina's got a more than legitimate chance to land his commitment at some time, you know, sometime soon here, I'm um, especially being from that Richmond area. Carolina, look, they've recruited the state of Virginia well overall, but that Richmond area is really the area where Dre Bly does the most damage. Richmond, Virginia Beach, where he's from, those are the two areas where Carolina really goes to work in the state of Virginia. So don't be surprised if he's one of those guys. And if you're looking for a guy that is still going to visit, maybe one of the guys that we've talked about that has visited doesn't commit just yet, they end up holding off and you're looking for that next guy, on, uh, on the weekend of the 17th, which is the next big official visit weekend. I think they're going to have a few guys on campus here this next coming weekend, but not too many. It's Julian Randolph, the tight end prospect at an independence high school in Ashburn, Virginia. He's a guy that Carolina has really turned the heat up on, which makes me believe that Vance Bulliard, the guy out of Northern Guilford high school in Greensboro probably is leaning somewhere else. And that seems to be what a lot of the you know, main, main recruiting sites are thinking Carolina's turning the heat up here. And I think that could be the next guy to watch out. It feels like he's one of those guys that just heading into the the, the visit, Carolina's firmly in the driver's seat and all they got to do is really just show him what he expects to be shown going in and they could potentially land that commitment. So those are the guys uh, that me and Zach are keeping an eye on here as we get closer and closer towards uh, the end of June here. It's uh, three more weekends, um, three big ones for Carolina. And we'll have you covered on that front on the website, heeltopblog.com. We've got that commitment up article up there for you guys on Caleb LaValle. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, it goes a little bit more in depth than me and Zach did here, sort of describing what Carolina is getting out of the prospect from uh, fr- from the state of Georgia from Mableton, Georgia uh, and uh, also you know head back check out the article on Joel Starlings if you want to know a little bit more information about him. Uh, both guys you know key, uh, key commitments for Carolina as they roll throughout uh, this month the, the months of May and June. Uh, and you know, make sure that you guys are keeping up with everything else that's going on. We have our weekly storylines that are coming out for you. Last couple of weeks, they've been very, very recruiting heavy. But as we get more news on you know the current team and as we get a little bit closer to the start of fall camp, we will of course have more news for you guys. So make sure you're keeping up with that on the website. And then of course on the basketball side of things. Carolina's still potentially looking to fill that one scholarship spot that they have available. Josh tells you about a guy that pulled out of the NBA draft that Carolina could be looking to pursue. He goes a little bit in-depth on Pete Nance. Make sure you go over to the website and check that out. It's all in one place, heeltopblog.com. You can check us out on the social medias where we post that as well as the podcast editions. You can check the podcast out. Uh, wherever you listen to your major podcasts and while you're there, check out the Four Corners podcast as well. That's our basketball podcast uh, where we uh, go in depth on all that stuff that we just talked about our last episode. We did sort of talk a little bit about Pete Nansen there, also talked about another guy that Carolina could potentially look at and Keon Brooks, he unfortunately now is off the table. But we've got that in there about Pete Man. So make sure you guys go back and check out that last edition of the podcast. And as I mentioned, everything is in one location on the Facebook page, Heel Tough Blog. Just search it in the search bar, or you can also head over to Twitter at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. We'd appreciate it if you give us a follow on there, and you can check out our personal pages for me at HTB Anthony. For Zach at HackZubber 2, and of course for Josh, it is at HTV Josh. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Wanna thank Zach for hosting with me. Wanna thank you guys for listening. And as always, go tar heels.